Well, welcome again to Chi Alpha, everybody. It's good to see you all. If uh, you don't know me yet, shame on us. We should know each other by now, right? Well, if you need to hear my name again, my name is Brandon. I'm one of the directors here. Everyone, can you guys believe we're in week five, the quarter? How are you guys doing? You guys surviving? Okay, I'm feeling a little low energy in the room. Okay, if you can believe it, I remember once being a student as well, like you. Yeah, very funny, very funny. And uh, I remember a lot of the time on Tuesdays, every time I'd come to Chi Alpha, sometimes I'd be like, oh, maybe I have like, low energy, or maybe, I, maybe there's something better I could do tonight. But every single time, every single time I came to Chi Alpha and the Lord would nudge me, I would just enter into the presence of Christ, be around my brothers and sisters in Jesus. The message would always hit home, and the Lord would just really move, right? There's just like nothing better to do on the than be with one another and be with the Lord, right? So speaking of God's presence, speaking of God's community, you should totally come to fall retreat, especially if you're tired. Like if, if you're like tired, okay, you need some space from campus. You should totally drive 40 minutes. You should come to fall retreat. We're going to have so much, so much fun. It's going to be an awesome time. So please come. Please come to fall retreat if you have not signed up yet. We're going to be continuing our series called Anchored Tonight. And if you're new tonight and you, uh, you've never heard what we're doing, we're answering this question. What is worth anchoring our life in when life is challenging? And we know that there's so many sources that we could go to that would just tell us whatever we want, right? We could find any source we want that would tell us what we think we should anchor our lives in. But as God's community, we want to hear from him. We're choosing to find these answers from the source of life himself. Jesus Christ. So far, we've talked about being anchored in community and how our strongest relationships should be with God and with his people. We've talked about being anchored in truth and reading God's word and seeing how the word of God points to the truth himself, Jesus. We've talked about being anchored in Jesus and in his death and resurrection and how we can anchor our lives in that. We've also talked about being anchored in discipleship, aka learning and living under Jesus's teaching. Tonight, we're going to continue by talking about how we can be anchored in our identity. But first, we should probably pray. Lord, hi. I pray that you would move tonight through me. I pray that you would speak to all of us tonight about who we are. Lord, you have a lot to say about who we are, and it's very important that we know who we are. And so, Lord, we just invite you in. pray that you would speak through me and that uh, we just have fun tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell you guys a story. Am I like cutting in and out every once in a while? Yeah, we'll just make it work. Okay. Story. The setting is the fall of 2012. You want me to use that? Is this okay? Awesome. I'm going to take a drink real fast. So it's fall of 2012. I had just graduated high school. I was becoming a man. I, had <laughs> I was entering community college, and I was really discovering, like, who I am, right? I was learning about, like, what's my personality type? What are some things I'm passionate about? I was really just kind of discovering, like, who I am. Enter into the scene. The Seattle Seahawks draft Russell Wilson. In the third round of the 2012 NFL draft, and our Seattle Seahawks became good for the first time in my life. 
And I had no idea how passionate about football I was. Like, I, my whole life, the Seahawks sucked. So I had no idea that I was going to love football. All of a sudden, they draft Russell Wilson, and almost like overnight, our team became incredibly good. And this created this, like, football mania explosion in me where I was just obsessed with the Seahawks. Oh, this is probably what you were laughing about. Yeah, so this is actually a photo of me in Chicago in 2015 for my 21st birthday. I went to Chicago because I actually wanted to be at the draft, and I wanted to see who the Seahawks would pick. This really started this, like I was saying, like this football passion in me. I would watch every single snap of every single game. Like, I'm not kidding. From 2012 to 2016, I did not miss one snap of a Seahawks game. My family, we would host these Seahawk parties every single weekend where I would invite friends and family and everybody would come over and we'd like pack out my living room. I later found out from my parents, we spent like $150 a weekend on just food for the Seahawks games. I'm like, why did you guys let me do that? Like I could ask the guys to pitch in more. Uh, throughout the week, not only on Sundays, I would listen to like three hours of sports radio a day just on the Seahawks so that I could like figure out what is happening with the team and I could be as informed as possible. For my 19th birthday, I got a Richard Sherman jersey, who is my favorite player, and I could now represent my team wherever I went. True story, I went to, I was a part of the Tonight Show on Jimmy Fallon. They didn't interview me. I wasn't worthy of an interview. But I was in the crowd at the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and I very intentionally wore my Seahawks jersey because I wanted the camera to pan over the audience and for me just to stand up and rep my team. I, I almost considered standing up in the middle of his interview and just screaming, go Seahawks, as loud as I could, even though I knew I would literally get booted out. Like, security would come, pick me up, you out. I just wanted to represent my team. I was going to do what it took to represent the Seahawks. I had embraced my identity as a Seahawks fan, and that impacted how I lived. My schedule was taken over by Seahawks. Uh, I would never wear, like, my attire changed, so I would never wear the enemy's colors on game week. Like, I would not wear red if we were playing the 49ers. No way. It changed how I saw people. If you don't like football, I don't like you. Especially if you don't, if you don't like the Seahawks, I definitely don't like you. That's okay. I love you now. <laughs> the Seahawks, they even ruined my emotions, man. It was like every single weekend if they won, yes, hallelujah. Like, I was so happy. You wanted to be around me. I was full of life. I was, I was nice to be around. If they lost, you did not want to be around me that week. I was very upset. I would, it would take me like all week to mourn a Seahawks loss. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. You probably see where I'm going with this. I had chosen to place a huge portion of my identity in being a fan of the Seattle Seahawks. I was going to be a representative of my team. This impacted my life choices, it impacted the people I surrounded myself with, and it impacted my emotions as well. As you can guess, this is not a worthy choice to anchor your identity in. Let me just tell you right now, finding identity in a sports team, not a good idea. It's not very stable at all. Have you guys noticed that we all want to represent someone or something in life? Have you guys noticed that we all desire to have value and purpose? We all need value. Like, we want our life to matter, right? In other words, we want identity. We need the questions answered. Who am I? And what makes my life valuable? For me, many years ago, I would have told you 
Like, I'm a Seahawks fan. That's who I am. This is where I find value. But where do you guys place identity right now? Maybe you'd say, I'm a student. Like, this would be how you would kind of label yourself. Maybe it'd be an identity statement you'd give. I'm a student. Okay, maybe you're pretty success-driven then. Maybe you make a lot of decisions based on your schooling and your grades. But let me ask, what happens if you fail a test? What happens if you fail your class? Are you a failure? Maybe you'd say tonight, I'm an athlete. Like, I am very athletic. Okay, you're, you're probably pretty competitive. You like to win. Uh, what happens when you lose? How do you feel about yourself? What happens if you get injured? What happens if you can't compete anymore like you're used to? What does that say about who you are? What if you get a job and you start working for this company? I now work for this company. I now represent this company, right? Or this is my job title. This is who I am. What happens if you get fired? What happens if you lose your job? What happens if you have a bad day on the job and your job's or your boss is like, I'm not happy with your work ethic right now? What does that say about you? A lot of these are external identity statements that we would say, uh, but how many of us know that there's a lot of internal identity statements that we would say as well? Like, I suck today. I'm not doing anything right. I don't do anything right. Or I'm not attractive enough. I don't, I don't look good enough. My body doesn't look good enough. Uh, one of the personal struggles for me is I need success to have value in life. That's something that I wrestle with almost daily. I need to have success to have value. Do you guys notice how all these identity statements are not stable? They can shift almost daily, hourly, weekly. They're not worthy of being anchored in. We all want, we all need identity, but if we choose to anchor ourselves in the wrong identity, we're going to be at the mercy of the thing that we've given our identity to. So why is identity so important? Why is this such a heavy topic? Why are we searching for something or someone to give our identity to and value to? Well, it's because we were created to get it from God. You guys know that God himself wants to give each and every one of you identity. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them, to Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28. First book of the Bible, first chapter. This is our creation account. We're going to read what God says. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. So this is our creation account in the book of Genesis. Do you notice how God gives humans identity and purpose right away? You notice that? What does he say? He says we're created in his image and in his likeness. We're an image of God. We represent God's character. We represent his image. Whoa. He says we're rulers of the planet. He says we're to multiply and fill the earth. These are some pretty rock-solid identity statements, wouldn't you say? 
Like, if you're Adam and Eve, you're like, yes, like, I'm made in God's image, I'm a ruler of the planet, multiply, awesome, I can totally do that, right? Like, they, they easily could walk faithfully in that, right? Actually, no. The Bible teaches there is a battle for who we will identify with and who we will represent in our life. What do I mean by that? Well, let's turn a couple pages over to Genesis 3, and we'll see the battle begin. Genesis 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 6. We have a new character enter the scene. Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You'll certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it as well. Guys, it's really easy to read this story and and see a simple act of disobedience toward God, but miss Adam and Eve passing their identity and their value to another. What does verse 5 say? Satan says, you will be like God. So what do they do? They want to be like God. They make a call. They disobey the Lord. Think about it. God gives Adam and Eve everything. He says, you're created in my image. I love you. You can rule this planet. You have rule over everything. Your life has purpose. I love you. You just can't be me. You just can't be God. You need to rule under my authority. And Adam and Eve said, that is not good enough. I want to be my own God. And can't we all say that we've done the same? Haven't we all sought value, identity outside of God? Haven't we all said, eh, I don't really need you. I can actually find it on my own. We've all done that. We're all tempted to do that every single week. God has given mankind true identity. He's given us purpose. We've decided it's not good enough. We want to be our own gods. We would rather represent ourselves than our creator. The battle for identity began right away in Genesis 3. And guess what? It's still going on today. We have a huge portion of our planet walking in self-given identity, walking and representing themselves instead of walking in their God-given purpose and identity, representing God. We have so many people walking in, I'm going to represent myself. If we collected every thought, every word, every decision just today from everyone alive and we asked two questions, did you say this and did you do this to represent God or did you do this to represent yourself? What do you think the results would be? What do you think it would be in this room? This is not how it's supposed to be. This is not how it was supposed to be. It's not how it needs to be anymore. Can you imagine if our top priority of every single human being, if our top priority was to live in every decision, every day, representing the Lord alone? Every action, every word, every decision at all times is to glorify God and embrace who we really are. Imagine how much better our planet would be, right? Thankfully, God had a plan to restore humanity back to their true identity. He was not going to leave them walking 
and independence. Two weeks ago, Ethan taught us about being anchored in Jesus. He talked about how Jesus came as a representative of us, and he died for us. Think about this. Jesus embraced the identity of fallen humans. Scripture says he literally became sin for us on the cross. He took everything. He bore it on himself. He literally became sin and paid for it for us. And because of that, because of his sacrifice, we can now be in right standing with the Father. We can live with him, live for him again. It was so important what Jesus had to do on the cross. But what does that really mean? Like, what does it mean for us to live for God again? What, what does that actually mean? Well, it means we have to embrace who we really are. We have to understand our true identity again. So if you want to turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, it's going to be to the right of the Bible past the Gospels, God eats popcorn always helps me, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, God eats popcorn, you get caught in there, that's always helpful, also table of contents is always great too. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10. Paul's writing to a primarily Christian audience, the church in Ephesus. And he says this, verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That's Satan. Verse 3, All of us have also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Wow. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us, in Christ Jesus, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So there's a lot to unpack here. So I have a graphic behind me that's going to help us have kind of a visual. Like I said earlier, Paul is writing to a primarily Christian audience, and what he says is so powerful. He says, at one time, you were dead. He says, at one time, you were ruled by Satan. You were gratifying your fleshly nature. He says, you were deserving of wrath. That's heavy. And then he says, because of Jesus, you are now alive. You are seated with Christ in the heavens. You are saved by God's grace, not by works. You are God's handiwork. Another uh, interpretation would say you're God's masterpiece. How does that make you feel about yourself? God's masterpiece. He says you're full of purpose, which God has prepared in advance for you. This is an incredible transformation, right? He says we're, we're alive now because of Jesus. We're no longer dead. We're no longer ruled by our enemy, Satan. He, he has no power over us anymore. That means we have the power to say no to our sinful cravings. We're empowered to say no. We can say no because of Jesus. 
We're seated with Jesus in the heavens. We're saved by God's grace. And it, it wasn't because of anything you did. It's because God loves you. It's a free gift. You may hear, okay, I'm seated with Jesus in the heavens, but I'm like, I'm seated in Samuelson. What are you really talking about? Guys, it means God sees you as completely blameless and holy before him right now. He doesn't see you in sin. He doesn't see you needing wrath. He sees you as his son. You are completely holy, completely blameless before him right now. How does that make you feel about yourself? He says you're God's handiwork. You are his masterpiece. He says you're full of purpose. How does that change how you see yourself tonight? There's so many more examples from scripture about who we are. I mean, there's so many. Uh, So this is actually the the only time I'm ever going to say, pull your phone out, and you can totally take a photo. Well, I mean, you can, but you should all pull your phone out and take some photos of these, because I really want to encourage you guys. There's just so much in scripture about who you are, uh, and so that in your God times, it's going to take some time to go through a lot of these scriptures, but it really matters who we are. And a lot of these are like things we need to be telling ourselves seriously every single day. There should be two slides up. If you don't, if you don't get the second one or the first one, you can ask a friend and flip-flop. I think after talking about this, a question that needs to arise is, are we going to embrace who we really are? Are we going to embrace who we really are? As people embracing our true identity, we are given responsibility from God. That's pretty cool. He says that we get to be his representatives on earth. Did you know that? You're his representative on earth. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. That's left of Ephesians. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. Second Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Paul's writing again. He says this to the church in Corinth. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. True story, Chi Alpha is Christ's ambassadors in the Greek. That's where we get our name. Isn't that awesome? Did you know what it means to be an ambassador for Christ? Like, what does that actually mean? It means you're the highest legal representative of him on earth. The highest legal representative of him on earth. It was, it's very common for an ambassador of another country to go and represent their nation to another leader. That person would be the, represent, that person would be the representative of the king. It would be seen as this person is walking under the king. Jesus says, that's you. How does that change how we live and act? Man, if we're an ambassador for Christ, 
on our planet. We're the highest representative of Jesus. How does that change how we think about ourselves? How does that, ch- how does that change how we act? I have two points. The first one is it completely will change how we see ourselves and others. As Christ's ambassadors, this completely changes how we see ourselves and how we see other people. We're no longer people who need to find our own identity. We don't have to find it. It's already been given to you. We're God's chosen people. We're holy. We're blameless. You're his masterpiece. Anything that would say the opposite about you is just a lie. You don't even need to hear it anymore. If I can give you a tip, one of the things that I've learned through uh, a couple years following Jesus is that it's super helpful to replace a lot of lies with truth. So like I was saying earlier, one of my biggest struggles is that I, my, I feel like my success gives me value. Uh, that's not biblical at all. So that's not God saying that to me. That's either me or that's the enemy. My success gives me value. That's just not true. So what I'll do is if I ever have a moment where I'm really struggling, I have high anxiety, and I'm feeling like I have to be successful to have value, I'll stop and I'll say, I am God's child. John chapter 1. There is no amount of success, no works or failure that will change that. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10. Sometimes you have to do it 5 to 10 times a day for it to finally sit. But guys, you don't have to listen to anything that's not true about what God says about you in his word. We have to replace lies with truth. This is going to change how we see ourselves. As God's masterpiece, we get to see others that way too. We're God's masterpiece. That means everybody outside of this room is his masterpiece as well. What happens if you saw people that way? If you saw every single person in your classroom, your family, in this room, outside of this room, this is God's masterpiece. They're created in his image and likeness just as we are. They shouldn't be judged. They shouldn't be slandered. shouldn't think negative about them. We should think so highly about them. We should see them as God sees them. They're probably, they probably just don't know who they are, all of them. They don't know who their true identity rests in. Worship team, you guys can come on up now as we talk about our second and final point of what it looks like to be an ambassador of Christ. The second thing this does is it changes how we live. As an ambassador of Christ, this changes how we live. You guys remember my story from earlier. I was talking about how I was a Seahawks fan, and I was telling you specifically about how I used to wear my jersey to represent my team. My actions and my choices when I was wearing my jersey reflected my team that I was representing, right? I remember years after that, surrendering and giving my life to Christ, and the Lord saying, you now wear my jersey everywhere you go. You don't have to wear that Seahawks jersey. You, you can. But you're wearing my jersey all times right now. As Christ's ambassadors, we're putting on God's jersey wherever we go. We are representing our king wherever we go. We're his representation in our classes, to our roommates, to our friends and our family. Like, you are his representative. We don't get to see somebody wearing a different jersey and look away and think poorly about them. No, we get to see them as people who need to know where their identity really lies. How many people are just, they just don't know who they are. They're trying to find it. But we know. As we close tonight, I've got a couple questions for us. 
the first one is pretty straightforward. Where do you find your identity? I really just want to encourage you to like think about this. Like, what do I say about myself? What thoughts come into my heart every day that I, I actually listen to? Where are you finding identity? Maybe tonight you would say, I've actually never embraced who I really am in Christ. I had no idea what Jesus did for me. I have no idea that I can be his ambassador. I have no idea that this gift is free. I want to represent him. Tonight is a perfect night for that. I want to encourage you as we start worship, pray and talk to God and say, I want to be your ambassador. I want to accept this gift you have given me. I want to be who I'm supposed to be tonight. I've never known that. Maybe you'd say that you have been following the Lord for a long time, but there are identity statements that you would say every day, every week that are really impacting how you think, how you live, how you speak. Do you need to let go of some of them? Do you need to leave them here tonight? No more. I don't want to walk in this anymore. I want to encourage you to seek the Lord and pray as well and ask him to change how you think about yourself. And then I want to ask, how are you going to embrace who you really are? How are you going to embrace who you really are? What needs to change in the way you think, the way you act? How is Jesus tonight inviting you to be his ambassador? What's that going to look like for you? 